Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. I have my Bible here and I have some notes here also because I want to make sure I make a few of the points that I feel are vital in what I'm saying, what the Lord's saying, actually. And I'm not going to get on here and tell you what God is saying or tell you what Jesus is saying and not saying. I feel like that's uh, up to us to know and to be able to hear what God is saying and stand fast on that word of what God is saying to each of us. Remain steadfast in that. And I know, and I'm not saying it's easy because it's not for sure, but we can do it. And I want to encourage you to not bury the promise that God has spoken to you or God has spoken to you about. Maybe it's not directly for you, but he has spoken to you about it. Don't bury it. No matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what your eyes see, don't bury it. Stand firm in what God is saying to you. To you. And so in order for that to take place, we'll need to buckle up and rise up all in one to see God perform his word. And so uh, this is what I wanted to talk to you about really. Uh, and it's out of John chapter 11 um, that I'm pulling this. And I just, this has been stirring in me all week long. And I just haven't gotten on here all week long, basically. And so I'm going to kind of, there's a lot in John chapter 11. It's about Lazarus and it's about him dying and Mary and Martha and all that took place there. And there's so many different avenues and so many different points that you can pull out of this chapter. But I feel like God to me specifically for you and myself for sure is highlighting uh, the aspect of knowing what has been promised to us, knowing what the word that has been sent specifically to us about a situation. So like in this, in, in John chapter 11, the word is sent to Mary and Martha about Lazarus. So sometimes we have a word about us. Sometimes we have a word about somebody else or something else. And we cannot allow ourselves to get discouraged because now that we've got the word, things look way worse than they ever did before we had the word. And that all takes place in John chapter 11. And so Lazarus, just to kind of set a little bit of this up for you, Lazarus is the brother of both Mary and Martha. All three of them were very close to Jesus. They were good, good friends. They had a strong personal relationship with Jesus. So this isn't even just like somebody he didn't really know or he came across their path. He had a strong relationship with all three of them. And so the two sisters, Mary and Martha, they send a word to Jesus about their brother, right? They can't get to Jesus in time or they don't want to leave Lazarus's side. I'm not sure, but they send a word to him and they let him know how sick Lazarus is. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that he's sick unto death. And I'm in John chapter 11. So it says he's sick unto death, right? 
And I find it interesting that they do this here. And I'm pretty sure every single one of us are guilty of this at some point in our hurt, in our grief, in our frustration, in our disappointment, whatever it might, whatever word you want to tag on your emotion of the moment. Uh, they try to manipulate the situation with Jesus. They, re- they really do. And so in verse three of John chapter 11, the two sisters have sent word to Jesus. And what they make sure to point out to Jesus is uh, the one you love. Like Jesus doesn't know how he feels about Lazarus, right? So they're really kind of trying to play on Jesus' emotion here. They're trying to play on, on Jesus' heartstrings. They're trying, we have to work this however we can work this to get Jesus to move how we want him to move. So have we ever done that in our lives? Yes, I would beg to bet that all of us have done that at some point. I have to get as pitiful as I can and I have to remind Jesus as a, about as much as I can so he'll move how I want him to move when I want him to move. That's some truth right there. I've personally done it. Now, now people's names are coming up. I couldn't see anybody's names before. Now I can see a few names. So um, hello, welcome everyone. And so Jackie, it's been a minute I hope you're doing well, and Leanne, you too. I love you both. Um, So I'm talking today about just hanging on to that word, hanging on to that promise, no matter what it looks. And I I know, uh, Leanne, I know you can give testimony to this for sure. So basically, in verse three, they're playing on the hot strings of Jesus. They're trying to manipulate the situation. But uh, Lazarus, the one you really love, right? The one you really love, he's sick unto death. And so this word, this is really manipulation, actually, that's going on here, right? That we've all been guilty of trying to manipulate the Lord on our behalf or in our timing. We feel like time's running out. We feel like the situation is not what it should be. Uh, We feel like uh, Jesus spoke a word to us and too much time has passed. And so we have to somehow uh, play on his heartstrings to get him to move on our behalf. When he has our heartstrings, more, more in the palm of his hands than we will ever realize. So when Jesus hears this, clearly terrible news here, right? This is gonna show us, we, we can't work Jesus. <laughs> we can't work him. We can't play him. That's one of the things I love the most about him. One of the things is he can't be played. And that's, that's 100% beneficial, for sure, because people can be played. Our emotions can be played. We've done things uh, out of being played on our, our emotions, right? And probably missed some things because of it. But Jesus can't be played. It's his perfect timing, always. And so this is clearly terrible news. Like one of Jesus's very close friends is sick unto death. It, how does Jesus react? How would we react? Like if I got a phone call from somebody, hey, um, you know, someone that I love, someone that's very near and dear to me, like they're they're in the hospital, right? Today it would be in the hospital. They're in the hospital. They're about to die. I'm probably not going to wait two days to head to the hospital. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to head right there, right? Out of concern and out of worry. But Jesus doesn't do that. His response, and I love this, and it's in verse four, his response 
And you have to you have to pick up on this. He's giving a word to Mary and Martha here. He's giving a word in their concern. He's speaking a word to them and he's trying to send peace. Even though he's not going yet, he sends the word before himself and he's trying to send peace. And so in verse four, he promises Mary and Martha and everybody else around them, even Lazarus himself, but Mary and Martha are the ones that sent the word. This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but, but it will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. So that that's the word. That's the promise. And no matter how bad it gets for Mary and Martha and, of course, Lazarus, because he's the one sick, they should hang on to that word. They should make that proclamation. Our words matter. If you've listened to me at all, you know I'm big on the words that we speak. Our words matter. And the proclamation should be every time it doesn't look like what God said it was going to be, but we should speak to our hearts, our eyes, and the situation in front of us. But God said, but God said over and over, no, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how dead it gets. What we should never do is prepare it for burial, put it in the grave, and roll the stone over the promise of God. We should never do that. So what has God said about what you're contending for, regardless of how it looks? What has God said about what you're trying to remain in faith for? No matter how opposite it looks, what has he said? That area where your faith is getting a little shaky, that area where you're saying, "Mm, I thought God said, but maybe he really didn't say. I thought he said, but maybe he really didn't say. Even you know, going to the word of God, his promises say, but maybe they really didn't mean that. And we start to try and shift what God has spoken to what our eyes see. And we can't do that. We cannot do that with him. And so that's really what Mary and Martha end up doing, right? Because after verse four here, uh, we get down to uh, verse five and verse six. And, and it's interesting in verse five, it says, now, Jesus, he can, it's confirming in the word, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And this is the funny part. So when he heard that he was ill, funny, not funny, so to speak, he stayed two days longer. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, uh, my really good friend's really sick, but I'm gonna just kind of stay here and keep doing what I'm doing, right? And, but he, had, he wasn't doing that. Uh, he wasn't doing that just to, Uh, being mean or to play with their emotions. He was doing that and he does it to us to build our faith. You know, it's, it doesn't take any faith to hold something in your hand to already possess it. It takes faith to believe that God will put something in your hand that you do not possess. Like I'm going to stand here and I'm going to have faith for water. How difficult is that? I already have the water in my hand. But if I'm sitting there with no water in my hand and I'm really, really thirsty and I believe for water and then I wait and I wait, now faith will move that water into my hand. Hopefully that that helps you to understand a little bit of what I'm saying there. So Jesus basically, that's what he does here. He makes them wait, right? Because everything's about to get completely 
completely worse for Mary and Martha and mostly for Lazarus, right? Completely worse here. Everything's gonna head, and, and, and have an ear to hear this, everything is going to head completely opposite of what Jesus just told them. Jesus just said, or he sent word to them because he didn't go, this sickness will not end onto death. And yet we see Lazarus die. Or we read about it, but they saw him die. He dies, like he's dead. Lazarus is dead, right? That's what happens. So now they're, they're I can't even imagine all the emotion they're feeling, right? What they probably got excited when they heard the word. Oh, Jesus says it's not gonna end till death right? Now it does. Now what? Now now where are they? You know, it, and, and we've done this. We've questioned God. Now what? I don't understand. That's where I, we have to shift into faith and we have to shift into trust. Trust. I don't get this, but I know you're working something out and I know you're strengthening me in the process. Every single thing we go through strengthens us if we let it, if we let it, right? If we give it permission to strengthen us, it will strengthen us. If we don't let it, then it will not. So Jesus doesn't run to their rescue beforehand, right? We would have, I would have, right? If I can help somebody that I know needs help, and it's especially when it's critical, uh, I run to the rescue, so to speak. Jesus doesn't do that. A lot of wisdom, right? here with Jesus because he knows it's going to be better for everyone involved, not just Jesus. I mean, not just Lazarus, not just Mary, not just Martha, but all of Jesus's disciples who are right there in the moment also. So don't miss this, right? Don't miss that this was a family, I'm reminding you, that Jesus had personal relationship with, right? They were close friends, And so they still needed, they still shifted in and out of that, uh, having that faith and trust in what Jesus said. And they'd seen him already work miracles. Now you can go back and research that. And I'm not gonna get into all that right now, but they knew Jesus was a miracle worker at this point. It's not like they didn't know. That's why they sent word to him to begin with. Two (laughs) Two full days go by. How would we react? How would you react if you were in a dire situation, your friend knew it, your best friend knew it, and you don't hear from them for two days? How would you feel? I'd be a little frustrated. I'd be a little hurt. I'd be a little disappointed, no doubt. But this is what Jesus does, right? How are we reacting? This is a question we have to ask ourselves. How are we, or how do we, or how have we reacted to delays in our life, to delays to the promise of God in our life. Things that we know. That's why in the beginning I said, I'm not here to tell you what God's saying. I'm here to encourage you to know what God's saying and stand fast in that. Because if somebody else tells you God's saying this, that that's kind of, well, yeah, maybe they heard right. Maybe they didn't hear right. You know, I don't know, maybe. But when we know that we know that God has said something, we have to stand fast in that steady. We have to stay in that place, not wavering, not becoming weary. So for us, how are we responding to delays in words that we know God has spoken to us? Promises we know 
that God has put in our heart, or even just promises from the Word of God that's for each and every one of us. We have right to those in His timing. In his, I've gotten ahead of God in my timing before. I've gotten frustrated in knowing I had a word from God, but not yet seeing it performed. And it is frustrating, but we have to remind ourselves His ways are not our ways, for sure. He'll show us that one over and over again, I promise you. So for Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, things go from bad, already bad. He was already sick unto death. They go from bad to worse. They're getting worse. Not only is he sick to the point of death, he now dies. He dies. And guess what? Jesus already knew. He already knew. Like He, he knew when he sent the word that their faith was going to fail, basically. And he knew by waiting the two days that Lazarus would die. And he knew when he said, let's go there, that Lazarus would be dead. He says so. <laughs> Excuse me. Grab a drink of water. He says so down in verse 14. Let me just move my notes. I mentioned in the beginning, I have a few notes because there's a few strong points. I really, I, I want to make sure I don't miss them. Sometimes I'll get on here and just start talking and talking and get excited and miss some of the points I wanted to make. So in verse 14, he says to his disciples, Lazarus, Lazarus has died. The very thing that I said wasn't going to happen was, it happened. It happened. And, and then he actually says, <laughs> this is pretty intense. And for your sake, I'm glad. Like, I'm glad he died for your sake. Why? Because he knows now their strength is going to be reinforced. They're going to have a deeper revelation of the word of Jesus, the living word. And so will Mary and Martha and everyone around them is about to also. So sometimes when God causes delay in our life, it's not just for us. It's for a bunch of people around us too. As we stand firm, as we stand uh, steady, remaining in faith, remaining in trust, right? And even if we've already buried it, if we rise up and get back to that place of standing next to Jesus and believing he's gonna perform his word, people around us will be impacted, okay? So Jesus' timing is and always is with purpose, always is. He says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad. Jesus's timing is always different and always perfect. Always. It always is, right? Delay in our life, delay in God's spoken promises. We have to step back before we bury that thing, before we say, we excuse it, maybe I heard wrong, maybe I missed it, maybe Jesus didn't really say that, and try and take the easier, more comfortable path of not standing and believing for something as it gets worse and goes against the word God spoke to us. So back to Lazarus. You know, what happens to the promises of verse four? right? Verse four, I told you when we first started, verse four says, this will not end in death for the glory of God. It will not end in death. Not one of the promises God has spoken to you will end in death for the glory of God. I don't care how long the delay has been. I don't care how dead it looks. When God says rise up, it'll rise up. I promise you it will. Just run to him, pour your heart out to him. Tell him your hurt and disappointment and frustration and stand next to him while he performs his word. 
do it. I'm going to show you how Mary and Martha did that. So Mary and Martha, what did they do with the promise, right, of verse four? Let's reread verse four. Jesus himself said, this illness does not lead to death. It does not lead to death, okay? So what does that mean to Mary and Martha? Because they watch Lazarus die. He dies, and what do they do with that promise? What do they do with that word out of the very mouth of Jesus? They bury it. They basically allowed the natural circumstances in front of them. They basically allowed what they were seeing with their eyes to take place. No, what did God say? I don't care how bad it looks right now. I don't care how dead it looks right now. What did God say? Speak to that. Breathe life into those dead bones. Breathe on those dead bones. What God said, not what you wish, not the what you desire. You can't work it for your own good. You can't. You have to work it for the glory of God, like he says in verse four. This will be, Lazarus will not die for the glory of God. That's why. So they bury it, Mary and Martha. They allow what they're seeing in their natural, in what they're around them, they allow that to override. And this is really good. And we do this a lot. They allow what they see in the natural to override what they know in the supernatural. That's what took place. That's what we've all been guilty of in some areas at some time in our life. We have allowed what we see in the natural to override what God has promised us in the supernatural. But the awesome thing today is God can bring it back to life. God can raise it up. So the promise is buried. Now that the promise is buried, Jesus, he's going to head to Bethany. He's like, okay, it's dead now. Now let's go. (laughs) Now let's go help him. None of us would respond this way. So we have to just understand, you know, uh, Jesus just does some things differently than we do some things. And we just have to let him do what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, for sure. So the promise is buried. Jesus heads to Bethany. And Mary and Martha, they're hurt, they're disappointed, they're frustrated, and they're grieving. Have we not all been in that place? Maybe in that place right now. I know I've been in every one of those places right there. That's where they are. And they can't believe their friend that they have a close personal relationship with, Jesus, has let them down in such a way. But where they missed it was they did not hold on to the word. Jesus never fails us, never fails us. We let go of the words because we get frustrated, because we get disappointed, because we get hurt, because it looks so dead that we're grieving. We don't understand what happened. And we just have to wait on the timing of God, no matter how bad it is. A lot of times it's been so bad that we don't think it can get any worse and it does. And so we just let the promise go. We just bury it. I've done it. You've probably done it. But Jesus will always show up on the scene to say, remember what I said. And then we have our choice, how we respond to him showing up on the scene saying, remember what I said. So now here comes Jesus. Lazarus is already buried. (laughs) And you know, this is the friend that's a little too late 
right? A few days late, like they're showing up after the deal, right? And so how, how, how do we respond to friends like that? Mary and Martha, they respond completely opposite from one another, which I think is interesting. And I'm not gonna dig too deep into their responses because it's really on the promise of God being performed in our life. But Martha, she runs out to meet Jesus. She knows he's coming, she runs out to meet him, okay? She goes to him, she pours out her heart. She's transparent with him, right? Mary, she mad, she is mad. And she's like, I am not going to see him. I don't want to talk to him. And you know what she actually does? Go study it out. She stays in her seat of grief. See, they were already in the grieving process. They were seated in the house as the sisters in their seats of grieving when Jesus, when they realize Jesus is coming. And Martha gets right up out of her place of grief and runs to Jesus. Mary, she's like, I'm not going I would rather stay here in my pitiful self and mourn myself. That's what she's doing. And we've all done it. I've done it. I'm going to just have my little pitiful moment. I don't even care what you're saying, Lord. <laughs> just being honest with you. I've done it. So if I've done it, I know other people have probably done it too. And so and a couple of neat things happen here. Martha, she just responds. And when she gets to Jesus, have we not done this too? I mean, this is so us. And this is John chapter 11. It, she's like, Jesus, if only, <laughs> if only. Now, I don't know about you, but I've said those words to the Lord quite a few times. If only, if only you'd done this, if only you'd done, if only you'd had them do that. If only, if only, if only. You know what? No, actually, Martha, if only you had hung on to the word of God. If only you had waited. If only you had taken the word that Jesus said, this will not end on to death and tucked it in your heart and not let it go. That's the if only. So really that if only that we give to Jesus so many times, we need to flip it back on ourselves. Because the truth of the matter is, when God has spoken a promise to us, when God has given us a word, if it's never performed in our life, it's on us. And we don't like to look in the mirror and tell ourselves that. We'd rather blame other people and we'd rather blame Jesus, truthfully, but that's not who's to blame. It's just not. So Martha reaches Jesus and she's like, if only, right? If only. And she pours her heart out and she's like, our brother's dead and, and all the, and then a lot of, a lot of stuff takes place right here that I'm not going to dig into all that right now. But Jesus confirms his word. He confirms his promise, messing up my hair. He confirms his promise to her, right? And he says down here in verse 23, because basically for them, they couldn't, they forgot what Jesus said based on what their natural eyes were seeing. They forgot what Jesus said. That doesn't mean it changed what Jesus said. They just forgot it. So it looked like it changed. It looked like it shifted. And so Jesus in verse 23 here um, says, your brother will rise again. Now he's already told them it won't end to death. So now he's confirming. Why? Because Martha went to Jesus and poured out her heart. We see it in the Old Testament in David, and I'm not gonna get into all that right now, but there's nothing wrong with going back to the Lord and getting your word a second time. There's nothing wrong with that, especially when you're at a place of death or grieving, of promises you feel like he's given to you. And that's what, Martha does here. She's very transparent with him. 
And so his word hasn't changed. And he reaffirms it, I guess I would put it that way. You know, your brother will rise again. In one sense, he's saying, you have, I haven't, the Lord's saying, I haven't forgotten, you forgot. You forgot what I said, or you didn't think it would come to pass. I never forgot. That's why I'm standing here now. I came to do what I said I was going to do. And he will show up at our doorstep too. How we receive him, that's up to us. And so, of course, uh, the fact also, and I'll get into this in a little bit, the fact that he has to reaffirm this, and it grieves Jesus. What grieved Jesus? That they let go of the word, that, that they didn't hold on in faith to what he had spoken. They allowed natural circumstances to override the supernatural word, and it grieved them, okay? So I have to wonder, have we ever grieved? I mean, that's an intense thing when you think about it. Have we grieved the heart of the Lord by not holding on to a promise he has given us because supernatural circumstances, now let me reword that, (laughs) natural circumstances look opposite of what he has said. Have we ever done that? And have we buried what looks dead? Even though the Lord said it would not die, it would be life. Have we done that? Have we actually done that? I, I, I believe probably most of us have for sure. So after Jesus reaffirms his word, Martha, she runs and she goes and gets Mary. And I love this portion of this because we all need that friend once in a while. We just do, right? We all just get into a place of remaining in our seat of grief. And we need that person that will come alongside of us and say, get up. Jesus, remember what Jesus said, rise up, do do what God said, stand on what God said. And that's really what what Martha ends up being to Mary here. So Martha gets the word, the reminder from Jesus, and she goes to get Mary out of her seat of grief. And I don't care how long it's been. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how dead it is. If God made a promise, he's going to perform his promise. We might not understand the timing of it. We might not get the delay, but he's going to perform his word if we'll stand with him in that word. We can't bury it. We can't bury the word. And so uh, in verse 20, Martha runs to get Mary, right? And every once in a while, you need that friend. You need that friend to provoke you. Remember what God said, rise up, stand firm, remain steadfast, all that. I'm thankful for the people in my life that have shown up when I've been in those places and said, oh no, that's not, that's not who God is. That's not what God says. We're not going there. We're not gonna do that. I'm thankful for those people. And Mary is actually thankful for Martha here too, which is awesome because in verse 20, she responds. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Oh, say I'm sorry. I think it's on verse. I'm a little. I'm a little behind myself here. Verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, and she said to Mary, "The teacher is here and is calling for you," which I think is kind of funny because. We never see in the word where Jesus says, I want to talk to Martha. (laughs) Mary just goes, I'm sorry, I want to talk to Mary. Martha just goes and tells Mary this. She says what needs to be said 
to Mary to get her up out of her seat of grief, to rise up out of that place. So Martha knows what needs to be heard in Mary's ears, and she says it to her. So she, so she says, Jesus is here. Like, he's out there waiting to talk to you, but you have to go to him. See, that's the thing. We have to get up out of our seat of grief when a promise has died from the Lord, like what happened with Lazarus, and we have to go to Jesus. We can't stay in that seat of grief and expect Jesus to come to us and sit with us. We have to rise up out of that place. We have to do that. And so Mary does that. Well, I lost my place again. And so when Mary hears Martha saying, Jesus is right out there and he's waiting to talk to you. Now, Mary already knew Jesus was there, but she needed some provoking from her sister. So she rises up quickly and goes to him. And that's in verse 29 of John 11. She rises up quickly. And the interesting thing is she responds the same way. She has the same heart as Mary, as Martha. I'm sorry, Mary and Martha get a little confusing. But when she gets to Jesus, she says the same thing. If only. Those are powerful words, and that was her heart. And that's our heart sometimes, for sure. If only you had done this differently, Jesus. If only this situation had been different. If only they had done something different, right? If only. And no, they have to remember, we have to remember, Jesus said it would not end on to death. And whatever Jesus said is what it's going to be. That's something that's foundational and will never change in the Christian walk. If Jesus said it, it's going to take place. And for some situations, it's up to us if it's in us and through us and for us. That's the thing. And so Martha goes to Jesus. She has the same heart as Jesus. If only, if only what? What are they, what do we, (laughs) have you ever said, I have, if only to the Lord, if only, Lord, if only, if what, what are we really saying when we say if only? What we're saying is if you had done what I wanted you to do, if you had worked it out the way I wanted it worked out, if you had done this in my timing, Lord, the way I wanted it, the way I thought it should be, that's really what our if only means when it comes to something God has promised not taking effect. If only you had done it how I thought it should be done. She might as well say that. If only you had shown up when we thought you should show up, Lord, instead of delaying. If only all of these things, right? When we're saying if only to the Lord, we really have to ask in our hearts, if only what? If only what? When you're saying in frustration or hurt or sorrow, whatever it is, if you're saying if only, crying it out to the Lord, you have to really search your heart and say, if only what? What's your place there? Does God not know better? Are his ways not our ways? They are. We have to stay steadfast. God spoke this. I don't care how dead it looks. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to remain in him. And so this is why I personally believe, now this this is not some big theologian study that I'm saying here. This is just my personal belief. I believe this is why Jesus wept. I believe he wept because they let go of the word he sent forth to them. He said that Lazarus' sickness would not end unto death, and they did not hold fast to that, and Lazarus died. And not only did they see him die, they wrapped him up in his grave clothes, and they buried him. That's what I believe Jesus wept at when he knew he had spoken a word. Isn't it disheartening, even as 
even us, mere humans, so to speak, when someone doesn't take us at our word, isn't that disheartening? He's, dis- he's, he's to the place of grief here because he knows their faith is lacking. That's what he's really grieving about in that very word, in that personal relationship that they had. They had a very close personal relationship and they didn't hang on to the word. So if only what? Now this is, this is the encouraging part. This is the awesome part. Jesus tells the people to roll away the stone. And I'm kind of jumping ahead. I'm not going through the whole thing here. Read the whole John 11. It's awesome. But Jesus tells the people to roll away the stone. (laughs) And haven't we done? I've done this, you know, some of it age related, but I've done this for sure. Uh, Martha's like, she kind of freaks out a little here, which I guess I don't blame her. She's like, "Uh, it's been four days. Like he's going to stink. In other words, it's too late. It's too late. It, but it's never too late. And we've done that with the Lord sometimes. When he, when something hasn't worked out the way we thought it was going to work out, when we thought it was going to work out that way, we're like, it's too late. That's past. It's over. It's done. And Jesus can bring back a dead thing in a minute, a dead promise in a minute, a dead relationship that was supposed to be established in a certain path in a minute. Whatever it is that that you that you once carried in your womb, but you never birthed out, Jesus can bring that back to life. Okay, so in verse 39, uh, Martha is saying, it's been, but it's been four days. It's been four days, Lord. And it's almost like too much time has passed. Lord, too much time has passed since you sent the word saying this would not end till death. And now, even though you came back and I believed you at your word, when you said in, let me go back to it so I get the right, uh, verse 23, your brother will rise again. Now it's two words and Martha's still trying to figure it out. She's still struggling with this stump, right? It's still gonna look opposite for a moment, but Jesus is like, I'm here now. I'm ready to move. Are you gonna stand next to me and let me roll that stone away and call that thing back to life or not? In that moment, our response matters, now, she was just questioning God because she didn't understand. She wasn't, she, I don't believe she was in doubt here anymore. You know, she wasn't non-believing anymore. And so in verse, in verse, let's jump down to uh, verse 43, right? I promise you this, before we read this, 43, I'm not sure if I said that, but before we read this, I promise you, if God has brought a word to you, right, and things took a totally opposite turn, to how you thought he was gonna perform his word. And so you gave up on that word. You buried that word and you sat in your seat of grief. When God beckons you to come to him and pour out your heart, do it and do it in a way that is so transparent to him that it causes him to move with compassion on your behalf. I'm not talking about working your tears to manipulate a thing. I'm talking about just being transparent with your heart. He will bring that dead thing back to life as you rise up and stand next to him and watch him perform his word. And that's what takes place here at the end of John chapter 11, right? So he tells them uh, to roll away the stone, right? In uh, verse 43, Lazarus, verse 43, just simply, Lazarus, come out. So, and it goes on to say in verse 44, the man who had died came out, okay? So 
Uh, when God speaks to that promise, as you pour out your heart to him, as you stand next to him, ready to watch him to perform the war you actually buried, right? <laughs> when that takes place, when you rise up out of your seat of grief, when that takes place and you're, you've poured your heart out to him and you're standing next to him and he says, rise up, come out, that thing will come to life. But I also want to add this, when, that, when he does that, there's still gonna be some grave clothes on that thing. There's gonna be some doing you have to do on your part, right? He's not gonna come in and go poof, and then everything's fit, everything's back to life, and it just, the red carpet's rolled out. He's gonna bring that thing back to life. He's gonna stir it back up in you, basically. He's gonna give you the unction and the drive. It's gonna rise up again in you. You're gonna have to pull the grave clothes off. You're gonna have to dust that dead thing off, clean that dead thing up a little bit, and then go forth in the promises God has already spoken to you and then reaffirmed. And that's what takes place here, right? When what God said already, it remained, and he's reminding you, in, in this, John chapter 11, he's calling it back to life. So he calls Lazarus back to life. And in verse 44, you can see when he comes out, he's still bound with the linen clothes and his face is wrapped with a cloth. And I'm sure he's dusty and dirty and everything else. That just has to be cleaned up. And that won't take, that won't take much especially when the Lord has breathed that new life into you and you have risen up and said, you know, now I know God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. And in that place, I'm gonna end with this, the whole point of the delay, the whole point of everything seemingly to go away from what God has said is, is God is, now you have more faith. Now you're stronger in me. Now you won't be as quick to let go of a word next time around. And that's, that's what the delay here with Lazarus was. And that's what any delay in our life is. 